All right, because three is a crowd. I'm here today once again, as always. This time coming to you from the podcast closet, just like our Rough and Rowdy Ways tour episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's nice. We're in Portland. It's it's cold, but I'm not complaining. Uh, most of you guys listening are probably going through a, heat a massive heat wave. And it's literally 54 degrees outside and raining. And it is June, uh, late June. Let's just say June. Not to, to out ourselves <laughs> too much in time. Uh, I know what day it is. Do you know what day it is, Kelly? It's the day to record our podcast. Excellent, excellent. How is it going today, Kelly? It it's it's going good. Good, good. Yeah, you've been doing all right. Yes, my life is constantly a busy nightmare, and if I like think about it too much, all the things I have to do on this never ending list of things to do, it makes me really stressed out. So mostly, I don't think about it and just keep moving along. That is exactly how I function as well, <laughs> and things are getting more and more stressful every Great. single day. Great. <laughs> this is uh, not a place where we talk about uh, the constraints of capital, but where we talk about Bob Dylan. This is a Bob Dylan podcast. Uh, we get together and we talk about a random Bob Dylan song. We've been doing this for six years, so come and enjoy with us. I've been listening to Bob Dylan for most of my life. Kelly has heard roughly the same number of songs as the sub-label of Warner and Atlantic Records featuring the cores, Michael Bublé, Jordan Hill, and Josh Groban. 120-something, this right? week... Is there like a 120? We listen to... 130? On a night, like night like this I'm so glad you came around Hold on to me so tight And heat up some coffee ground We got much to talk about And much to reminisce It sure is right On a night like this on a night like this. Is it 143. Oh, fucking hell. We're on 143 episodes? Bro, bro, we're moving. Whoa. It's almost over. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> Only 400 more to go. Only about, yeah, yeah 300 something. Dear God. It's all, it's all manageable. Is it? I think towards the end, we're going to, once we hit the dregs, we're oh, just going to have to start doubling and tripling Well, up. <laughs> even now, when I was like looking at stuff, I'm like, before I like, I, I didn't want to like, Cut songs. I mean, because I did that shit at the beginning when I was just first starting to figure it out. But I'm really, I think I'm just going to do it. I think yeah. that I'm going to take some of the Whitmark ones that are just lightweight, pop them together. It just doesn't, I I don't know how to pick those. I don't know how we would choose those. So I don't know if like maybe I can find a way to like insert them a couple, maybe one of these special episodes every year. But like, I, we just can't do it. I mean, we could get, because we're doing them so infrequently, we can really start just doing more albums like of the random shit like that. Just like, the, you know, there's so many compilations and whatever, whatever. I know, I know. That aren't true, like, albums, per se. Yeah. And no, I, yeah, I think so. And I think that's fine. I mean, if we're having a couple weeks in between, and if there are songs specifically that are like, this one is worth talking about a little bit longer. I know. Some of them are definitely not. But then that makes it kind of fun, too, because you can fuck around. I mean, this one I didn't, I thought was lightweight and I had a good time. I... There's lots of stuff. So I'll think about it more. But I mean, at the most, I would get rid of probably like 30 episodes yeah. of 300. <laughs> I mean, it would still right. be like, mo- I mean, because if, if our idea was to do like all the big albums, at least the albums, we still have 300 songs. Left. We're going to die before this is over. Hell yeah. At this rate. If we're only doing 20 a year and we've got, because like 20, yeah. 100 divided nah, by 20 is yeah. five. So that's five years, five times 20. Okay. Well, hopefully we'll still be alive in 20 years, sure. but who fucking knows? Well, who knows if any of us will be alive in 20 years. 20 years. That's what I mean. From but, now. But We've already been, been doing this for so long. Six. 
I know, but our lives don't can't revolve around this thing. It's, yeah, that's a, true. it's our, our only thing that we do. <laughs> uh, if that was true, that would be, I mean, that would be amazing. Uh, please give to our Patreon, patreon.com slash SOTWpod, and you can make it so. This will be our full-time job. We'll just start doing episodes at a clip yeah. with the right amount of money, guys. So hit us up. Anyways, Kelly, uh, this week we talk, this week we're going to talk about On a Night Like This. We have listened to this song before. All the way back in episode five, Planet Waves, uh, our first album. I mean, just barely, barely walk in as a podcast. Um, I don't even know if I can recommend yeah, listening I'm to curious, it. Curious, honestly, what it sounds like. Yeah. Before I ask you about uh, how you feel about the song, I just want to give this, the context really quick. Uh, this was recorded over two sessions in 1973, November 1973, at the Village Recorder in Santa Monica, California. There are potentially lots of versions out there. I haven't heard any. Uh, this is just not a very bootlegged record, which makes it maybe prime for like a bootleg series at some point, which would be actually be pretty amazing because I think there's probably a lot of stuff on there with the band that a lot of us just haven't heard. It just really has not circulated uh, widely, as far as I can tell. Um, of course, we've got the band backing Bob Dylan. We've got Robbie Robertson, Richard Manuel, Levon Helm, Rick Danko, and international treasure Garth Hudson. On the accordion in this episode, baby, let's go. On a Night Like This was the lead single from Planet Waves. It also leads the record. Um, the B-side was You, Angel, You. It peaked at number 44. Tough stuff. Um, it, it would be featured uh, in 1985's Biograph, but just the studio version. So not like, sometimes he had a song and would play like a, at the time, a new you know, recording now that now most of the stuff has come out, but at the time you heard a, a different recording of just like a woman or like a Rolling Stone. It was like, mm-hmm. Oh my God, big deal. Um, Nope. Just the studio version on biograph. And he has played this song a whopping total of zero times, <laughs> which is kind of surprising. Cause I think it's pretty fun. And I am actually kind of sad that he didn't. So Kelly, let's get into the song itself. And I just want to ask straight off, off the bat, what do you remember about planet waves? How did this song strike you? Just initial reactions. I remember very little from Planet Waves. Although, is Dirge on Planet Waves? Hell yeah. So, I mean, Dirge is the only song that we've done, and that was episode 100. But that, in terms of, like, time between albums, I can't think of any except that we've never had a Saved song. So Saved kind of takes the case. Mm. kind of takes the cake. Um, But otherwise, yeah, I mean, to go 95 episodes between you know, Planet Waves, and then our first song is a long time. Yeah, wow. But, yeah, so Dirge is the only one we've done. That's the only one I really remember. And, like, Sarah, I think, right, just mm. because... Oh, that's not that's not even on there. Wedding right? song. Wedding, wedding song, song right. right. Desire is... Um, that's on Desire, Sarah. Okay. And yeah. The wedding song is just at, just before that. I don't really remember it. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. But how did this, how did this song hit you? I'm sure you kind of... Uh, did you remember it at all, the no. song? Okay. No, not really. But... Uh, you didn't really know the band back then either. Yeah, and that record just had didn't really mean much to. It didn't mean much to me either. I mean, I thought about that too, and I I don't know if I said that in episode five, but this was a when I when I was growing up as a Dylan fan, a maligned album. Oh yeah, and it was in my brain that this was not. Oh, I feel good. like that was the vibe going in. Yeah, yeah, oh, definitely, yeah. And I think the Christian stuff too. It's like I'm I'm perpetually when I when it comes to Dylan I think I'm over it now but when we first started I was like very much entrenched in very traditional views of like what to think about him Mm. I thought about him a lot differently I think and I still do than most people but the work I did not appreciate the way that I do now and I just didn't see it the way that I do 
in this moment. So it's been very pleasant for me to come around, and I can't wait to come around to like Budokan and stuff, and finally hey, kind of hit the whole full circle. The last Budokan song we listened to, I was like, hey, this is good. I know, that's what I mean. And I'm like, hey, I'm ashamed, because I still, that's another remnant there of Knee like, jerk. no. Budokan's bad. Oh, it's bad. I, no, no, we can't talk about that. Hard Rain, hate it. You know, it's like, Rolling Thunder 2 is worse than Rolling Thunder 1. Is it? You know, I mean, these are the the tinfoil cap stuff that you that you got to put on. But yeah, I mean, I was, I was shocked by, I mean, how much... This I like this. I don't know. That was my vibe. Did you like this? Uh, I mean, I guess we'll get to does it work, but yeah, I nah, I don't know. This song was weird in that the more I paid attention to it, the more I did not like it. Mm. As part of our playlist, just kind of like going about my life while it's playing, it was fine. Yeah, you know, fine is the best way I can sum it up. Just yeah. fine. It's a fine song, but yeah, it's like sitting down and listening and trying to really pick out pieces and listening to the words and stuff. I'm gonna say no, not great. So the more I paid attention to it, the less I liked it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, let's uh, get into the song itself. So, I mean, the song-wise, you didn't learn how to play the song. There's really nothing to learn how to play. You didn't learn the accordion for this. I didn't. Oh, fuck. All right. Well, next time when we revisit this in 25 years, you should play the accordion Great. for it. That instrument seems like a nightmare. And just Garth can just do it. Just Of course. Just because he's... The best. It's the like the keyboard part I understand. And it's I understand well. like the functionality of it, right? You it's mm, like a mm. set of lungs or something, right? You, you squeeze it or it's like a bagpipe, you know, which is like yeah. lungs too, where you're you're just air. You're they're making sound through but air. But you can do it by like people they go down, they go up. Right. To like how is that different? Change the stuff. I don't know. What I don't understand is those little circles on the other side. The mm. keyboard side I get. Mm. What are those fucking circles? I think they're chord buttons. Ooh. But I don't know, and I've never looked into it. Okay. But that's my hunch. It just seems impossible to know which ones you're hitting. How do you memorize that? There are like a million. There are so many. Have you ever seen? There's yeah, like oh a yeah. million of those tiny little circles. Little buttons, yeah. How are you hitting individual ones? And so I'm like, there's no way you're hitting individual right. ones. You're just, I could button mash an accordion sure. all day and make some sounds. Wow, but, we're just throwing all accordions under the under the bus here. I just no no. I'm saying that yeah. as a layperson, as a layperson, it seems sure. impossible. We've learned a lot about instruments over these uh, these couple of years. If you know stuff about accordions or want to send us the Wikipedia link to accordions, <laughs> or do what people do on Reddit and just type in Google search and it brings up the GIF of Boom. whatever you wanted. Oh, Have see, you ever seen people do that? Uh, no. They'll be like, oh, I found your info, and it's a link to oh, Google with a GIF of whatever you're typing, like great. what your question was. See, that's great. If you want to send those <laughs> to us, twitter.com slash SOTWpod. We'll, yes. It'll be very helpful for us in this conversation. Uh, what about that harmonica, though? Was yeah. it too much? Was it an overload? Okay, my biggest problem with this yeah. song is it's barely held together. There is <laughs> too it. much bullshit going on. I Listen, listen, I can just tell you. We can just please, start, please, start right yeah. now. The music, yeah. Let me tell me about this. The, my favorite part of the song is the very, very beginning, the fast drumming acoustic guitar that sure kind of leads in the song instead of doing uh you know, like count sure. in. Right, right. Just a little guitar. Really nice. Mm. And then just immediately off the fucking rails. Like super messy musically. Like I didn't even realize there was a piano in this song until huh. I listened to it four times and mm. cranked up the volume. Really to an uncomfortable level because then all the other shit that's going on is just totally amplified. I everything every layer makes it worse. Okay, so the drums fine on the face of it. It's just like a regular kit with some brushes, which is nice instead of you know normal sticks. It's okay. The bass is fine when it's just going along. The accordion man, it's just like loud 
at best, manic at worst. It's just, it's so much. The guitar is barely there too, but but the piano yeah. was so galling. I couldn't, I could only hear it sometimes right after a verse. There'd be like a little thing that was like, oh, that's been there the whole time. Yeah. It's that terrible sound you can barely hear in the oh, very, yeah. very background because they're playing chords in like a really low octave. So all you're getting is another layer of fucking musical mud just like, dun, 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 on top of <laughs> It's way too much. And then the audacity to throw a harmonica, which is another sound, at the end. Oh, my God. There are some parts where it really feels like the song's just going to collapse because everyone's doing something different. We just decided we're not doing it anymore. (laughs) The end is the most upsetting. Because the bass even goes nuts. Everyone's just like, fuck it. The harmonica has given us the permission to stop playing this song. So we're just going to go nuts. Yeah. So not my favorite. Oh, see, what you just described is excellent. I hate that it. That sounds so awesome. I wonder if there's more, like, different versions, like, maybe aren't. I, I can't imagine that Bob could just do a manic version. There's seven on the first day and I think four on the second day. So it's like, there's a lot of, Wow. I mean, I, you could see this song being a different type of song with different vibes. Yeah, I think that if it, that maybe that's part of it. Maybe it's an identity crisis thing. It does feel like probably. six different fucking songs happening at once. At some, it feels like a musical car crash. So yeah. I think you could probably pick out something and, and play it slower, maybe. Yeah. It's not even the tempo that's the thing. It's not like it's a, a fast song. It's all the bullshit happening. Makes yeah. it, fe- it gives me anxiety. It makes me feel like certain jazz makes me feel like it's terrible. I was saying, the more I pay attention to it, the more it like incenses me. It gives me anxiety. I don't, so anyway. That's amazing. Yes, I give mean, us another version. Yeah, I mean that would be that would be amazing. I mean, you could definitely see this as like a country crooner type of song, on and oh, like sure. this, sure. and you just kind of get that guitar because you're right. Everything does get buried. Yeah, I don't mind it. It's just like a, it's a car. It's God just like a, a car crash, two minutes long, and it's like great. Let's go. <laughs> At least it is short. That is like because man, my nerves would be just on edge if it were any longer. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I do get that. I mean, that's why I don't think it, like, reaches the pantheon of, which I'll get into a little bit later, of, like, great, like, stay with me songs from Bob Dylan. Mm-hmm. Like, this is part of a genre. And I got to say, like, I think the manicness bring it down a little bit. Because, yeah, the manicness is definitely uh, probably the biggest problem. But that's about it. Because this song is great. I like this song. <laughs> Personally, uh, I want to talk about the song in three distinct ways. I'm going to tell you what those three ways are, Kelly. Okay, please. Number one, I want to talk about the narrative flow. We've been burned over these last two weeks by our songs in this time or some other time. This mm. seems very narratively focused. Yes. But is it? We don't know. We'll see. So narrative flow is number one. Uh, number two, uh, part two was going to be, is this Dylan's uh, horniest record? <laughs> and not just the record, but also maybe a horny song. So we're going to talk about that. And then number three... And then part three is going to be uh, go back to our old canard of nature, talking about a little bit of nature. Wow. Uh, mainly, I got some good quotes and stuff uh, that I wanna that I wanna share. So number one, part one, narrative flow. Um, two episodes ago, we did simple twist of fate. Last time, we did ballad in plain D. Simple twist specifically was very fractured. It was fun to talk mm-hmm. about because you don't know when things are going on. Timelines. And even here, you've got moments where, um, you know, I was cold and I started the fire. There's no mention of the other person. I know. But it's implied they're there. But does that person have to be there? No. Is that, see, that's the yeah. thing. So here we are. So what do you think is going on in this song? And even though there is that vagary, 
does it take away at all? Like you wouldn't think unless you're sitting there looking for this stuff that that woman, if it's a woman, is not in that cabin, right? You would just, you're vibing with it. It's like a traditional love song. Is there a narrative here? But I did, I definitely picked that out when I was looking for it, like you said. But if you're not looking for it, it just, you just just assume, yeah, of course, it's the same night, right? right? It is all the same night. But is it? But is it? So what do you think? I think the first verse, see, for me, my my pieces of this song, uh, they go from, mm. let's see, I'm glad you're here, let's let's uh, drink way too much coffee and stay up all night talking, which is sweet. The next part is, I love you so much, don't leave me, sex. sex. The next part is, <laughs> <laughs> I'm cold and alone, or maybe we're here together? I, know. I don't know. See, that's Am I good. alone? The next part is orgy, mm. and then mm. uh, back to sex. <laughs> yeah, because there's the part where it's like there's plenty of room for everyone. I'm like, I know. how many people are there? Well, that, we'll get into that as yeah. well. Um, so that's the horniness. I think it is. It's always fun to look at something through the lens of like the multiverse instead of yeah. being just straightforward. So I think I think that it's. I don't know. I was gonna say I, I think know. that it's just the same night because it makes the most sense. But I think it's way more fun to think that even the first verse that I'm so happy you're here. Let's stay up all night and drink coffee yeah. is even a different. Different timeline, even. Like, I think that's one instance. That's one, I'm so happy you're here, this person I'm specifically thinking of. And then on the sex verse, I'm thinking of, this is a different night, actually, where we came to get down. We're not talking. Well, this, And and then, cold and alone, different time. Different time. I'm thinking about maybe those other nights where we stayed up all night talking and had all the sex. And then orgy. And then orgy, and then then back back to to sex. sex. (laughs) I mean, I think that that... I'm going to say almost exactly what you just said (laughs) in different terms, but... I don't think you can really read that into the song. Like, not only is that where you start to see people not being mentioned, although it's fair to not mention every single character sure. every time. Uh, there's another line at the very end where he says, um, if I'm not too far off, I think we did this once before. And it's that same feeling of like, mm. do you have dementia? Like, I mean, <laughs> because like for me, it's like, didn't you welcome the paramour, have sex after coffee, realize the cold of outside? Um, that you don't want to return to either physically, so you start the fire, or metaphorically with love, and then fucked again. Isn't that what happened? By, because now you're saying, <laughs> I don't. We did this once before. Once before, like, like you, you guys have had sex all night, like type of thing. Is that the implication? Am I? Because otherwise, I'm thinking you're thinking about something else. Exactly what you're saying, which is it's either a concoction of times or it's somewhere else. But I think we're just being burned by our previous episodes here where we're just reading way too much into it. Cause honestly, I'm not too far off. He could just be about to orgasm. Like, let's be, <laughs> let's be honest here. If, if, if we're going to go to like this being the horniest Bob Dylan album and song, which I, I want to shout out. This, this is from Laura from definitely Dylan, uh, who, as we were doing this episode, she tweeted out, um, Talking about, uh, she said her quote, uh, sorry, her tweet said, uh, between Tough Mama, Hazel, and Something There Is About You, Planet Waves has some of the most charming love slash lust songs. Every compliment really gives off the vibe that the singer is just really into whoever he's singing to. And then she quote tweeted herself and said, let me rephrase that. Planet Waves is Bob Dylan's horniest album. (laughs) Nice. And I definitely agree with her. And so we, you know, she tweeted that as we were about to record this. So I'm like, oh my God, kismet, here we go. And I agree. And, And it made me think about episode five where guarantee we did not talk about that in any way when we talked about the record um, because it just didn't occur to me. It didn't occur to me that there is a lot of stuff like that. Um, I don't think that it's just like a collection of songs that make Planet Waves itself great, but it's what you're talking about and what we've been talking about now for the last couple of weeks, which I think is like Dylan's memory of events 
are informing his present reality. So yeah. we have present day um, lustful narrator interacting with the romantic past, um, which is exactly what Blood on the Tracks is, which comes next. So I think that you can't unread that what he's writing about and is a very rough draft here on some really great songs. Dirge, Something There Is About You, Going, Going, Gone. Like the really like serious great songs on here are fucking great. And they could have definitely been worked in a different way for Blood on the Tracks. Mm. So he's kind of got some lightweights like this. Um, and then some heavy hitters, Dirge in particular is a fucking masterwork. And I don't know, it's hard to discount between the two periods because it kind of, you don't think of the two the same. And and because you've been maligned and, and unfairly maligned Planet Waves your whole life, you don't think about it as a good record, even though it's right next to Blood on the Tracks. It's just one before. Um, and I think that when you um, take into account sort of like what we're going to talk about here about the horniness of this song. I think that it actually helps Dirge. Like it makes the Dirge character, he's yearning and he yearns that whole song. The whole song is sad. He's yearning for, uh, searching for a gem, right? In a world of fiberglass, I'm searching for a gem. Like the gem to me is this cabin. Like he, that person is yearning for a night like this, right? And it's like, it starts to inform one another. What's the name of the sign on the window album? New Morning. Is that directly before this? No, New Morning's 1970. It, it's technically the yeah the next record after, but it's three years in between. Oh. So 1970, then this is 1974. Okay, gotcha. It just, something about this song makes me feel like that album, mm-hmm. because it's that same sensation you're, you're describing, or like same memory thing that he's tapping into, sure. this idyllic yeah. little cabin, like his farm on the in New Morning and stuff. Oh, yeah. I think that he's, this guy's very nostalgic for... And a reality that might have never existed. Agreed. And that's why I like, uh, that's going to be our, our last part is the nature part. But it's like, yeah, I think that my read now of all of this is like, it's the same feeling from New Morning all the way to Blood on the Tracks. Mm. Like that longing, wistful nature. And then like just fucking with time and the way that, you know, you feel about certain people and events. It all comes together. Like there are definitely quality issues between all of them. But like, I think you can read it all together. I mean, because, yeah, this cabin here is not only in Sign on the Window, but it's like the man in me. There's a storm raging in that song. And it's like, how how can you not assume that this is the place, right? And then Blood on the Tracks says Shelter from the Storm. Is it the same cabin? Is the woman now welcoming him into the same way that he opened the door for her? You know, are they playing off of one another? That's the great stuff. That's why Bob Dylan... We love him because we can read all the, into that as much as we want. And so after that nice, profound love of Bob Dylan, I want to once again go back to the horniness. Never forget <laughs> Tough Mama uh, when he rhymes hotter than a crotch with it must be time to t- to uh, it must be time to carve another notch. Wow. So never forget that in in between us lauding this man as a poet laureate <laughs> uh, and a fucking Nobel Prize winner, uh, the man loves to write about a hot crotch. <laughs> Only once, though, that as far as infected. I know. Sounds infected, yes. I mean, so, uh, you know, the examples are pretty simple here. I mean, all of verse two is pretty, uh, you know, pretty uh, lustful. You know, it's like, um, run your fingers down my spine. Uh, bring me a touch of kiss, touch of bliss. Bring me a touch of bliss. It sure feels right on a night like this. Um, on a night like this, I can't get any sleep, obviously, because you're boning all night. Or you are in depressed. a different or you're in a different spot Cold alone and depressed. you're in a different spot exactly <laughs> um and then the last verse you got the um the more frost on the window glass with each new tender kiss we love a good titanic moment of course yes um 
However, I think that the bridge, I mean, we go to the orgy, <laughs> I mean, uh, but the bridge is kind of weird because I think it kind of rocks against the uh, horniness slash lustiness, whatever you want to say. Um, put your body next to mine and keep me company. There is plenty of plenty of room for all. So please don't elbow me. I, it seems so strange. It's a weird verse. It's a weird verse. It doesn't actually like fl- it didn't flow off my tongue that well either. It's out of place. The first two lines are okay, but then what is that supposed to mean? There's plenty of room for everyone, so don't elbow me. So I mean, my these are my my guesses as to what it could mean. One, sexy time, rain in the passion, girl. Don't fucking throw bows. Uh, We're having sex. Gotcha. Calm down, just a little bit. Don't don't kill the passion, but just a little <laughs> bit less. Dial it down. You're at eleven. Bring it to eight. Um, is it good? As in, don't leave me. Like. Don't elbow me away oh, or something gotcha. like that. Or is it bad as in probably more of the orgy scenario, which is don't elbow me into choosing you forever. There's plenty of room for all the ladies I bring wow. back to this cabin. I mean, there's so plenty of room for all. Sure. So you're just one of many. So don't elbow me to make any commitments or anything like attention. that. Which, again, I think if you read it like that, it heightens something like Shelter from the Storm because in my head there, she does elbow him out or whatever. And then he's out in the wilderness and needs to be brought back in by some other mother whore character. Or maybe he just doesn't like to cuddle. I mean, that's fair. That's fair. (laughs) Uh, Now, the orgy, though, do we think that an orgy occurred? In your world of fragments, I think that that's a good, um, that's a funny read. It's a weird thing. I think there's multiple people. there. I I mean, Mm. I don't know how crazy Mm. it is. I don't think we're doing like, you know, Six, seven people, but mm, I think there's wow. at least another person. At least one other person. <laughs> yeah. um, that's fair. I mean, in a fragmented world, I think that's fair. In the narrative version of this woman showing up with the narrator, uh, no, I don't think anyone else is here. I think this is more of like a an emotional elbow. Yeah, I mean, I like all those different <laughs> reads that I didn't, I could not get to at all. I, the, the only one was group sex. That, yeah. that well, that's I think one. that's the first implication. I think most people, I mean, I think it's a kind of a joke in Bob Dylan world, too. Mm-hmm. Um, finally, in terms of uh, to contrast again, just like with that line contrasting the lustful horniness, let's bring the man himself in, Bob Dylan. In the biograph notes, he says, quote, about this song, he says, quote, I wrote this in New York. Sometimes you're affected by people thinking you're too heavy, you know? They see you and pretend they don't. If you do something that's extreme on the one hand, then you've got to hurry and turn it around so people aren't so sure that they saw what they saw. You know, I think it comes off as sort of like a drunk man who's temporarily sober. It's not my type of song. I think I just did it to do it. Hmm. Weird. Again, weird energy from Bob. I don't like it. I'm like, this song's fine. You don't have to say this. Um, That is a striking idea, though, that a drunk man who... is temporarily sober. What do you think about that? Does that help us at all with this song? I mean, because, like, what would that imply? A drunk man who is temporarily sober, so he is seeing through, seeing clearly. Does that, is he already sort of living this life and this drunk man sort of wakes up one day and realizes what he's got? And so, like, this woman who presumably, let's say it's his wife, let's say it's fucking Sarah, and he's like, this day... She walks in from work or dropping off the kids or whatever, and he's just Mr. Romantic and Mr. Mm. Whatever. Because, like, all you know, as she was gone that morning, he was like, I I am so lucky to have her. And then, of course, the hangover after it all comes to crashing down, he's like, yeah, fuck it, you know? Yeah. And it's like, and maybe that's also, I mean, I guess I, I can only say that because it's like, I think the rest of it plays out that way. Bob Dylan's going to get divorced. All right. of this stuff is going to happen. So, like, 
maybe. And I mean, the orgy thing could make sense too. The elbowing could make more sense too. If you're reading it like something like that, I don't know. It's a weird thing, and I think it kills the vibe. And I think that it's better that we just don't know that. So everybody just forget that Bob Dylan said that this song is not great. It's not his type of song. I mean, it's kind of true. It is kind of an outlier. Think about all the songs we've done. He doesn't go that hard on the harmonica in very many songs. Maybe Lily Rose, Mary and the Jack of Hearts, he kind of goes up for it. His voice Mm. makes it stand out to me because when I hear this, I don't think this is outside of a song that he would do. This is very blues rock adjacent, and that's like a 100% his lane now. Like, I could hear this song being played at that early 90s recording at the Frog House or whatever the fuck it's called. The Toad's Place? Yep, there you go. (laughs) The Frog House, Toad's Place, you know. I I could see this being played there, and it would totally fit in. But what makes it stand out a little bit is his voice, because I don't hear this song, this blues rocky thing, with this voice, which Mm. is still more crisp and clean, and he's just younger. Um, it's true, true. But if he had, if you have older Bob croakier, on. Croakier, toadier, yeah. froggier. Toadier Bob, I think that this, yeah, I think this totally fits. So I, I disagree. Mm. Maybe, or maybe at the time, maybe he felt like this is not something I would do right now, but. It was 1985 when he's talking about that. So he's had another 13 plus year, 13 years, 10 years to, to, to really work it out. And he's like, yeah. But he thought enough of it to put it on fucking biograph, which again, did he do it or did he not? Is it his management team? Like, right. these are just unknown things and i mean i love the idea of just like sitting bob down and like getting these uh liner notes for the biograph and it's like hey man what do you think song. about this song and he's like well you know how people on the one hand see you do stuff and then you got to turn it around it's like what the fuck are you talking <laughs> about man just tell us if the song is good and you like it <laughs> Come insert on, clip man. of michael scott being like sometimes i'll just start talking and hope that i find something <laughs> along the way which i can honestly say he I, he could have said this about a bunch of different songs. Here's the don't thing. Don't ever, ever, for any reason, do anything to anyone, for any reason, ever, no matter what, no matter where or who or who you are with or, or where you are going or, or where you've been, ever for any reason whatsoever. Sometimes I'll start a sentence and I don't even know where it's going. I just hope I find it along the way. Like an improv conversation. An improvisation. Um, yeah, any, any other thoughts on the the sexiness of the song? Anything else stand out to you about it? The song guess... itself, the music isn't very sexy though. No! But the, <laughs> well, as you've said, but the... Uh, the lyrics are, I think, that are pretty, pretty good. I'm trying to think if that stood out. I guess I didn't clock it. I mean, I, I, I read that from the song for sure, but I don't know that I've ever put a horniness meter on any of his know. songs before. Yeah. So maybe this is just in the, the expression of that, that it is notable that this is a horny song. Yeah. Is it is something we'll have to look for. It does make forward. it, like, yes, this is unique in that it's a hornier song. Yeah. Because all this other stuff is so couched in romantic yeah. metaphors. and what yeah. it, When while this still has, you know, Definitely it's not like plainly well. saying, mm, no. <laughs> let's have intercourse. Right. As people do. <laughs> people do. Uh, more so now. But yeah, back then it's like, you know, you, yeah, you kind of, and he does, he has. There's lots of songs like this that play the. Fast and loose sort of thing. I feel like maybe there was some stuff on Empire Burlesque that was 
Ah, those are so emotionally yours. Come on. I mean, remember, what do you want? Do you want horny Bob or do you want like, oh, I'm emotionally yours? No, nobody wants that, Bob. Nobody wants that. No. Just just get off the mic, Bob. (laughs) Just get off the mic. All right. I want to talk about nature as a template. We all love a good nature song. I do. Yeah. Um, uh, Thematically for the podcast, we call it Sign on the Window. I think it's not only are we going to be looking out for horny stuff now, but we're also always looking out for nature, always looking out for sort of this idyllic kind of like lifestyle as just kind of a way to escape the world at large, you know, just a nice way to get away to uh, as a counterpoint to Bob's downer of the notes and biograph. Um, I've been rereading, of course, Robert Shelton's No Direction Home. So I just want to quote him on the song because I think he's right. And he, he, he says the name of our podcast, so I have to say it. Um, he says, quote, on a night like this opens bright and neighborly, opens in bright and neighborly spirit with commonplaces and cliches of the standard love song. It's cold outside and I'm all the warmer because I'm here with you. The mood and content flow directly from the idealized life Dylan painted in Sign on the Window. Only now we are behind that cabin door. I love that. That is very instructive and very nice. And I think that that has helped me think about this song in a different way because it puts us into new morning world, but he's having, you know, just things that everybody has, you know, I'm in love, I'm having sex, I'm doing stuff. It's romantic. It's wintry. It's throwing logs on the fire. Like all of this is very tactile and wonderful. And come on, Bob, how do you not like this? You did a good job, man. You did a good job. I thought the same thing that guy thought. About sign of the window. Uh, well, about the the vibe. Exactly. That. That's. Yeah. I mean, that's everything you said before hinged right on that. So, like, totally. I mean, and that's why you getting validated. it confused is fine. We're off on a couple of years, but like the the spirit is the same. And I think like you could almost make a case that like that is a chapter in and of itself. Nineteen seventy to nineteen seventy five. Boom. And you can write about those songs in a way where they're all sort of interconnected. I think that that's lovely. Um, if anybody does that, send me a royalty check. Thank you. <laughs> Um, I mean, it's really nice. I mean, the air is cold outside. The snow is so deep. Build a fire, throw on some logs, listen to them hiss. Let it burn, burn, burn on a night like this. If it is him there in the loneliness of throwing the the logs, he seems very cheerful about it, <laughs> which well, is kind of weird. I think that's because of the way the song is delivered, not only musically but the cadence of his voice. I think that's what really colors that because you can take those exact lyrics, mm. change the tone of this song yeah. literally and figuratively. And that's a very sad line. Yeah. Like the burn, burn, burn thing. That always to me is like that. Tends... We're burning something yeah. that we yeah. used to love. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You don't often burn stuff in love songs, which I think makes it great. Well, I immediately think about that song from uh, Hamilton. Uh, Hamilton. Yeah. yeah. Um, when Eliza burns the letter. I'm burning the letters yes. that I wrote to you or whatever. Um, so that I think this is an easy switch over to a kind of more. Sad, upsetting, sinister vibe. Yeah, whatever. Or that's fair. Not not sinister, but like romantically sad. <laughs> yeah. Sad. I think another layer that I'm going to introduce here, and it's kind of a working theory, but I just want to do it here. So the burn, burn, burn is more than likely a, um, a reference to On the Road by Jack Kerouac. Oh. Famous quote. I'm going to read the quote in a moment. Um, but I think like in a weird way, there might be some some angle here like that makes this richer. I just want to keep enriching this song as much as I can. That is my one and only goal here. Um, if we doubt the timeline and reality, I think it makes it even better. 
Um, and I, I love, I, I just like to see the songs like that. So it yeah. just helps me a lot. Um, in the book, Sal is describing, uh, Sal, who is Jack Kerouac, is de- describing uh, his friend at this point, Carlo and Dean, as they are talking about friends that they knew. Carlo is talking about old Bull Lee, who is in Texas growing weed. Uh, Elmer Hassel, who's on Rikers Island, and Jane, of course, who was on her Benzedrine hallucination. And then Dean is talking about Tommy Smark, a card player and queer saint, Roy Johnson, Ed Dunkel, and all the heroes, heroines, and adventures. And then this is from uh, On the Road. Quote, they rushed down the street together, digging everything in the early way they had, which later became so much sadder and perceptive and blank. But then they danced down the street like dingle doddles, dingle duties, dingle dotties. Sorry. They danced down the street like dingle dotties. And I shambled after them like I've been doing all my life after people who interest me. Because the only people for me are the mad ones, the ones who are mad to live, mad to talk, mad to be saved, desirous of everything at the same time. The ones who never yawn or say any commonplace thing, but burn, burn, burn like fabulous yellow Roman candles exploding like spiders across the stars. And in the middle, you see the blue center light pop in every Everybody goes ah, beautiful, and this is pretty much what the book is. Beautiful. I mean, it's famous for a reason. So Bob Bob Dylan, as millions of people, myself included, love on the road. So it's not unheard of that he would be referencing the burn 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 quote or what it means. And I don't know. When I was thinking about it, I was like, are they igniting a passion worthy of lore? The lore being the 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 scent the blue center light pop that's what you want to see right that's what awes everybody so are they fucking like a a storm up that everybody if they were to look in the window be like oh shit yeah is that (laughs) is that are they doing that tossing themselves into a metaphorical fire or are they observing the logs um by observing the logs which he is doing he's watching it burn 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 is he commenting on something else? Maybe his status as an observer now. His tour with the band coming up is his comeback tour. He's no longer the blue center light pop. He is kind of the spider-like, you know, people are still going to be like, hey, that's Bob Dylan. But nobody's like, Bob fucking Dylan, my life is this guy. This guy's talking the real shit. So maybe, I don't know, is he, is he wishing, I said, or maybe he wishes to see this phenomenon from the outside where he may wish to be an anxiety he showcased in the basement tapes, right? Leaving, wanting to be outside of the world, right? He gave up by his motorcycle accident, if it existed or not. He left the world of the center blue light to become an outsider. He didn't want to be the center of attention anymore. Um, but as we talked about in Simple Twist of Fate, um, wishing almost he'd never become Bob Dylan. Yeah, so not only with the basement tapes, but also remember that line today, he's still writing about, I wish I met you before right. I became Bob Dylan. So I guess what I'm getting at is there is a theory here that if you guys solve it, please send me a royalty check. <laughs> or maybe I'm just reading too far into it. I mean, it makes no sense. But I'm just seeing like throwing the the things in the fire. We all know what fire looks like. And is he watching the fire or is the fire him? I mean, that's really it. I don't know what to say about this. There's not a right answer. I'll probably cut all this. I just, <laughs> I just, I just don't know. I appreciate how far you extrapolated this. What seems to me either one of two paths. It's either literally a fire 
that he's putting logs onto, or it's a metaphorical passion love fire. I know. I, or it could be about himself. And I hate that. I hate that. And I always push back <laughs> against it. And here I am saying, no, it's about Bob Dylan and the band of the comeback. Or and, is it Jesus? Or is it Jesus? <laughs> when did, where's that? We never, we never Gosh. thought about Jesus. Um, Christopher Ricks in his uh, the great book Visions of Sin uh, in the sin chapter he talks about this song in particular and talks about In Such a Night which is often used in by like Shakespeare and he makes a point in that to emphasize that it's always unhappy couples that long for a secure happiness when they're talking to each other and repeating In Such a Night In Such a Night so I think if we read into that a little bit more the idea of unhappy couples coming together what does that mean? This is divorce talk. This is who knows. And That's how does how does it relate to the yellow? Roman candles, blue pop. Yep. Uh, finally, in the end, we get uh, the final verse. You know, let the four winds blow around the old cabin door. I'm if I'm not far off. I think we did this once before. There's much frost. There's more frost on the window glass with each new tender kiss. But it sure feels right on a night like this. In contrast to it, sure is right in verse one. It sure feels now but it was before. So divorce clearly <laughs> is coming up. Not great. But also I, I thought about the window glass. I mean, the window, windows are natural products, as we all know. You can make sand out of sand. They're sand and ash. But you know what isn't natural? Fiberglass. So this makes me think about dirge. You know, in an age of fiberglass, I'm searching for a gem. So when I said before about the gem and about the cabin being the gem, I think that's a fair read. I think oh, that yeah. like... Especially coming on the same record and being, you know, six or seven songs afterwards. It's like, yeah, maybe in a way, I love that read of a record. And I think we often think of things linearly, like we're going down a river, too. And it's like, as we get further from the beginning, it's almost, we expect songs to be commenting backward, right, on what was at the beginning. So a lot of that longing, because it's the first song on the record, everything gets kind of traced back to it. Hmm. And I think that's pretty interesting. And I think that makes this song almost better but do we think that it still works today kelly oh i can't i can't in good conscience say that i do not enjoy this song <laughs> okay fair enough so you is it just time to it just sounds like it's from the 70s that's my complaint i wouldn't i wouldn't actually i would really place it early 90s i it feels like a weird swamp oh, song oh, weird i don't know just because it just really makes me think of that toad's place thing yeah for no real like this song is not played during that set. No, it's something no, no. about the vibe. It's the fucking accordion. The accordion puts me in Louisiana. I've mm. never been to Louisiana. This is all I need is an accordion to get there. <laughs> so you were just transported to the bayou. That's right. That's fair. So this takes place in Louisiana canonically. Yeah, I okay. think so. Oh, no. For me, it's just in a mountain. I'm looking at mountains right now. It's in a mountain. Maybe that's part of the other reason why I don't enjoy this song is because it feels dissonant in the content of the lyrics versus the music which I probably already said earlier, but let me rephrase and restate that again. Yeah. It feels swampy. It feels like a raucous party. Hmm. You would see people on planks over a bayou stomping and playing this with their accordion and stuff with alligators. You know, that's that's, pretty good. that's where this belongs. Okay. What is it? The rescuers? No. There's definitely, it might be the rescuers or the rescuers down under where they're like flying away from a crocodile the, mm. or the alligator's a bad guy. I don't fucking know. Anyway. And everybody's dancing. Those vibes. Oh, 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 oh rescuers vibes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then the content of the song is mm. seemingly a straightforward love song. Yeah. Which is why this could be a ballad easy and I want to hear the other version where they undoubtedly make it more of a ballad. Hopefully. 
or people have covered it. I mean, there might be some covers that have balletized it. I think you could definitely do that easily. Yeah. So does it work today? The idea of a simple love song? Yeah, of course. That's yeah, all not? pop music is. Yeah. You know, but what... Musically, I don't know, man. This this would seem totally out of place in the music landscape currently, oh, I would think. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think popular music for sure. And even like, I just can't imagine a band doing this. It's, I think it, it was uh, astute of you to say as a country mm, version. Yeah, I think that I would so. be the closest you could get with yeah, like some a kind fiddle, of fiddle on there, yeah. country fried oh, sure. pop country thing. I think it, that could work. Yeah. yeah. And maybe someone's tried it. I don't know. Again, we didn't look at any covers, so. No. We did not. We don't need to. <laughs> I mean, this song was way more than I thought it was going to be. Um, so I would say, weirdly enough, I do think that it's it's like in, it's I I don't want to say important. I don't even know what I'm going to say. <laughs> I mean, the, like the harmonica is fun. See, I don't feel that way. So I think your taste is going to vary musically. I think oh, all sure. of that. Fucking yes, give me Garth, <laughs> give me going crazy on our accordion. Let's go. But it does sound very 70s to me, which is not a bad thing because when the 70s come back in vogue, this right. will be cool. Currently, not in vogue, so not good. So no, on that front. Um, but I would say, you know, not to be too derogatory, but even if this song is just a footnote, and this is just for Bob Dylan world, if this song is just a footnote to better songs, to to transcend and to deepen Dirge and Shelter from the Storm, that's fine. Like, I don't think it's bad uh, to have a footnote that makes you understand things better. Um but I don't think you naturally conflate the songs. Like, I think that's why you need a prompt. And I mean, the prompt for us is this show that prompts us to think about stuff. Mm. Otherwise, when you're listening to this, it does not occur to me that this is taking place in any time related to any other song. But when you sit down and you think, hey, that's fun, then you get lost in fucking candle light <laughs> and the center blue pop. And you don't want that to happen. Um, and as for the Dylan catalog, yeah, I mean, there's great stay with me songs um of course we've done i'll be your baby tonight um tonight i'll be staying here with you uh if you gotta go go now or else you gotta stay up all night you gotta stay all night uh and lay lady lay um i don't think that this one is better than all of those but the wintry conditions the cabin in the in the mountains vibe mm, impeccable and it kind of gives a place unlike all of those that are just like you know, you might see a train coming, but more for I'm going to get on the train to leave. It's a leave. It becomes a stay leaving song. You mm -hmm. know, this one never really broaches that. That person never leaves. It's not simple to us to fade. Right. This person never walks out the door, which is scary. That's a murder Bob song now. <laughs> um, but like, I can't say that it vaults it up in any way. I think that it's lesser than all of those songs. But God, if you asked me like two weeks ago, I wouldn't have thought anything about this song. And I got to say, pleasantly surprised. And I listened to, to uh, Planet Waves uh, today, just before uh, doing this for the second time this week. Fucking great. It's just a great record. Um, I used to be a hater. And if you're a hater, I just go listen to it. And listen to it under the guise of horniness. I think that that's a fine way to do it. I think that it informs the way that he talks about the women on the record. And you can really, if you just keep Sarah over here, you keep Susie over here, and you keep fucking all the girls that you can look up and see who Bob Dylan has shagged in real life. <laughs> There's all of that too, even just in a, in, as a personal thing, but even just the lyrics, give it away. Hot in the crotch. Let's go. <laughs> Tough mama. Can't wait to talk about her.
Kelly, did you know that we're a real podcast? I did. We're coming to you from an actual podcast studio. I'm going to call it a studio. I mean... This that, is a studio. Thank you. Thank you. This is not a studio. This is a closet that I have uh, glued and nail gunned foam into, audio foam into. Oh, and moving blanketed onto the floor yeah. and the walls. Well, moving blanket, that was like, it's still like the most inspired thing. Right? You know, just like getting in an thank elevator you. with it and it's like... We need this. That was the inspiration. That was the inspiration. That's right. Yeah. We got on the elevator and they had all the thing up because of moving furniture. I know. <laughs> yeah. Because we yeah worked in an office and people were moving stuff Some and you needed still this. still work there. <laughs> Whew, yeah. It's tough shit for you. Uh, we also uh, are uh, online, sotwpod.com. We have a you know website, intermittent on social media, mm-hmm. Twitter. Um, I talked about Twitter tonight. You did follow definitely Dylan. She's great. Um, you know, is on Twitter. I, I don't use any social media. I look. Officially. I look. I'm a lurker. I'm just a I'm professional lurker. Yeah. So, but I'm not so if you great. do tweet us at SOTW Pod, Daniel will see it. Oh, my phone will pop up, man. I do see that. And he does tell me stuff. So I if do. you want I him do. to relay a message to me specifically, you could do that. SOTW. Yeah. Pod. You want to tell Kelly something about our yeah. accordions? Boom. There we go. God, I will let her do. know. I'll let her know. I will send her the link if you send me the link <laughs> to the Wikipedia because I don't know how to get that otherwise. Um, we also have a Patreon. You can give us money. Um, I would highly say that that's a great idea. I would highly say please and thank you. Please and thank you. That would um, be wonderful. One dollar. You know, you get an we episode have, like, a, a good named group after of people you. giving us a dollar. Thank we got you. A, we got a group. You. We love you guys. Um, yeah, you get just whatever episode we come up with you're, you'll just there are no rewards there are very few benefits you will get the episodes kind of early if that's your yeah, deal you get, you get the you get them early um yeah i mean we're just living our life you know we can't do anything more i mean just listen to bob dylan if you're trying to get your fix like yeah. i don't know what else to say yeah the man has a catalog <laughs> <laughs> but we are here to supplement that catalog um we also do the best part about this is making a playlist uh see that my playlist is kept clean is always updated with the next episode we're going to be doing uh so head over there pop in uh, follow it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You'd love to see it. Um, and if you uh, want to do episode playlists, then you can just type in the name of whatever song you want. And I'm sure we're going to show up there with a little SOTW. Uh, and then you can listen to that playlist, which is also on our website and you know, all the show notes and yada, yada. You know how this works. This playlist this week uh, was pretty good. I mean, it was, it was, it was good. Um, it's not our best. We've been riding a high. Best. We were. We have been riding a high. This one, I think, relied on a lot of oldies, a lot of threes. So welcome back for the third time. Lots of people, bright eyes, mm. including four wins. So I've used four wins now twice. Oops. It was also on Ring Them Bells, but uh, it's a it's too great of a song not to to to, to shield. So it is coming out to the four. Sorry, cranberries linger. We have a cranberries episode. Go find that <laughs> <laughs> uh, where we talk about the cranberries back in the day. Remember when we did that? Uh, Fresh about to release a new record. Actually, it'll be out by the time you hear this. Um, Nighttime from a couple of years ago. Third time for them. We love Fresh. Frank Ocean. We love Frank Ocean. Nights. Yeah. We love. Where are you, Frank? Uh, Manchester Orchestra for the third time as well. Wolves at Night. We love you too, Andy. Um, the Cure for the fifth time. A night like this. Who doesn't like the, the Cure? Great. I mean, as you've as you've said on the podcast before, you've seen them. Yes. Uh, that's pretty. Best. That's pretty. Like, um, that's unique. I, I would never think to go to the Cure. I mean, I they are very much an '80s band, and as much as I like them and have kind of had a respect for them for a long time, I've never thought of them as like a current generation of like 
him out there like singing his songs. Like I, I just would never he's, he's do it. Man. He I know he's old, but I like I would never think to even go do it. Whereas now I would if he was a if ever came. Probably on the venue, very much depends. I mean, on the that's venue, the problem. But, it's the arena I mean, for me. It was just like the the novelty of seeing a show yeah. in Budapest, and then it just so happened I had we saw Placebo as well. Oh, I and it was also bizarre because it was just like a poster. The Cure thing, I looked up. I think for some okay. reason, I just had been. Oh, that's what it was. Spotify did started doing. The, I mean, mm-hmm. years ago at this point, where they say on tour now, and I happened to be listening to the Cure, and it was like Budapest, and I was like. That's, That's where I am. <laughs> and then, yeah, we were just riding the bus somewhere, and there was a poster for the mm. placebo thing because it was 20 years of placebo tour. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, this is like all for us. Yeah. And it so. turned out to be kind of a nightmare. But, but I'm really fine. glad we, we went to see it, even though it was at an enormous arena because, you know, the, oh, you gotta do it. the video screens, it was like Robert Smith's face was 600 feet tall. Yeah, so it's like, is great. I could see it perfect. Um, did, you probably haven't heard that, that they're making a new venue in Central Southeast. Oh, Live really? Nation is, though. Oh. Yeah, so people are not too stoked about it. I don't know what they're where they're putting it exactly, but they're building like a Central three thousand um capacity. Oh, three thousand is not that big. No, but it's like every like the Wonder Ballroom, everyone around there is like Fuck you guys, yeah. Well yeah, and fuck you Live Nation. Yeah. So like Portland about to become the worst city. That's a bummer. Um yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a bummer. I mean, people are going to go, like, even some of the bands that we see we'll I mean, are, are going to go there. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be that state-of-the-art shit. But Wonder's so gonna be, cool. Wonder's like my favorite. All of them down there are fucking great. Every fucking venue we've been to has been out. It's <sighs> awesome. That's a bummer. Kind of Hawthorne. We've been there in a while. Anyways, welcome to, also, we haven't been to shows in a while, so let's, well, yeah, let's I know. rewind I just keep going to this, high watermark over and over again. Which we will be doing again. Yeah, uh, no. <laughs> instead of an actual show. Uh, welcome to... For the first time to our playlist world, D Cracks, A Night Like This. That's right. Samantha Crane, Holding On to the Edge of Night. Wow, that was a very beautiful, sad song. She is she is a great, great musician. Wait, um, right? That's this person? Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, Childish Major, to go with Gambino, I suppose. I Like You with Dram and, uh, I guess, Black or Six? It's Black, slack. yeah. It's, it's how you pronounce it. I yeah. had to look it up because yeah. I was like, Six Black? What is it? Yeah, did you look black. up XXX Tenacion? I did not uh, look okay. up XXX Tenacion. Good. It will forever be extension. <laughs> extension. Uh, Streetlight Run, existentialism on prom night. Now that's just it. for the OGs out there. That's just it. for you guys. Um, excellent. As we, we love that song. Uh, the Waitresses, Heat Night. What great. a great song. Yeah, I don't know. They were just on the So that thing. band, The Waitresses, yeah. I was I was like, okay, I need to listen to this album because that's that song is excellent. Mm, did you? You uh, I kind of popped Some, through it a little yeah. bit. It's you know this band. If mm. you've heard that song, I know what boys like. Oh God, really? I know what got Yeah, that's their wow. thing. And that song has like hundreds of millions of listens. Everything else is way down. This one is probably one of the stands at ones, but another song on the album is called Pussy Strut. Love it. Like there's so much and they just had that one album. So they were kind of like a weird novelty thing, new wavers or new wave adjacent. It's a cool little album to listen to if you have the time. I mean, it's, you know. I've added it to whatever it is. It's only like 45 minutes long. Let's see. An hour. It's an hour. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's worth checking out. I would recommend. Was it tomorrow? Wonderful. Check it out. Um, Ray Price, 1963, Nightlife. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a classic, classic song. Um, yeah, he was like a very much like a country crooner. And then he went and was like, I'm going to make this like tequila sm- soaked, you know, sort of on the border mm. love ballad. The, the, the album is actually really, really good because um, it doesn't it's not just like a 20 minute jaunty country record like they were making back in the back in the 50s and 60s. So recommend that. Uh, Roddy Rich, Late at Night. 
pretty good. Charlie mm-hmm. Parker on uh, The Still of the Night for the first time. The Great Charlie Parker, 1953. Neil Francis on A Dark Night, comma. That's a um, And Nokdu, A Night Like This. That was the pretty weirdest good. one. Yeah, that was that was fun too. I I went to you know look for songs to put on, and that one was on there, and I played it, and I was like, oh no, that one's a little too weird. Yeah. <laughs> and then I looked at it, sorry, on the playlist. <laughs> it's like a Japanese lounge singer. <laughs> no, I love it. I, love it. Um, I will say that I didn't, I think the reason why this slacked a bit is that I had I didn't have a lot of respect for this song. Mm. And now I, if I could go back in time, I would change all of it. I regret that I didn't try to put uh, Day and Night on it again because I looked up. I was like, there's no way we haven't put Day and Night on a playlist because we're putting all of Kid Cudi's oh, uh, Man oh, on the no. Moon album on here. And I looked up and sure enough, oh, yeah, we already did oh, Day yeah, and Night. Did, yeah. So I was like, all right, I can't. But, hey, since you're oh, putting know, Bright Eyes the same yeah. song on there again. <laughs> well, sure, we'll just add that on there, too. So enjoy some more Kid Cudi. Why not? Um I mean, we have season playlists, so it'll be on a couple season playlists. Fuck it. Um, <laughs> anyways, if you want to follow, see that my playlist is kept clean. You know the drill. Uh, we love making playlists, so tell us your favorite song from this one. Thanks. Bye. Um, <laughs> Kelly, we're also people in the world that lived their lives. Um, what would you recommend to our listeners, our fans? Um, as someone who co-hosts a music podcast, I'm embarrassed to say no that music. I don't really listen to music anymore. Well, you've said that before. But I you, know. It turns out you do because you listen to The Waitresses. So. I did. I did briefly. But what I've been listening to mostly recently is just like D&D music because oh, yeah. that's been an all-consuming part of my life. I'm going to hopefully We were playing soon. a D&D game. Hopefully DM. by the time we're going to do this, yeah, yeah. this comes out. So. A campaign for my wife and Daniel yeah. and it should be a lot of fun. So I listen to a lot of like... It's mostly like Skyrim soundtracks yeah. and stuff, but th- those kind of things where it's like big sweeping fantasy music. So D and D like them. bar room, yeah, yeah, like yeah. tavern thing. tunes, and <laughs> I've been listening to Spotify's Renaissance Fair playlist. See, all that, stuff. lots of uh, dulcimers. Is that a word? And oh, then okay. um, hurdy gurdies, all that kind of stuff, right? See. You know, so all many that more shit. instruments to learn. Send oh, us the man. Wikipedia. The hurdy gurdy is the thing, right? With the crank and the like keys. We won't know until someone sends us a link. Yeah, fuck it, whatever. Yeah, please, someone send us a link about <laughs> the hurdy gurdy. Uh, and on the D and D note, I'm sure I've recommended them before, but uh, not another D and D podcast. All mm. the college humor, humor folks: Brian mm. Murphy, Emily Oxford. Uh, what's the other guy's name? Jake Hurwitz, and uh, you know, I do. Oh, I'm. So, I feel so bad. I. I, I Caldwell Tanner, that's his name. Nice. Yeah, so I had to hear the intro in my head. Nice. I'm your dungeon master, Brian Murphy, and I'm joined by Jake Herdwitz. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Anyway, See, that's great. Not another D&D podcast, good stuff. Uh, I did listen to some music besides oh. D&D. So because you just lied. I know. Up. Well, I went to go see Oliver Arnold's. Oh, Finally, yes. I bought tickets for this show in the beginning of 2019. It is the middle of 2022. COVID was a thing. I thought that they had refunded me. I completely forgot when the show got canceled. Completely forgot yeah. that this was going to well, be Well, we thing. had like f- seven shows that got paid back in right. weird intervals. Right? So City I just Radio assumed. forever. Yeah. You know, you just forget. After like seven months. Oh my God, that stupid like shoegaze show. At a, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like 10 bucks. A year and a half later, yeah. we're like, here's your money. Yeah. What the shit? Yeah, uh, so anyway, I was shocked when I looked at my email and was like, rescheduled, next week, your tickets for Oliver yeah. Arnold's. I was like, what? The Portland Art Museum. So I've never been there. There, It's uh, the Crindle or Crydell Ballroom. Uh, and it's like downtown, downtown? or yeah, 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 it's in the park blocks. Yeah, I mean, it was right next to yeah. the Schnitz. Yeah. So that was cool. Yeah. It It's one of the weirdest shows I've ever been to in that there's like no security. You could just walk in. They barely check the tickets. Just so you know next time, guys. Yeah, you could just go in. And it was 
kind of just regular little chairs that they pushed into the room. There aren't like formal stadium seats or anything like yeah. that. But the crowd was so respectful and quiet in a way that I've never... I mean, Bob Dylan was kind of like Bob that, Dylan. too. I mean, that's would be the, the only thing that I've ever seen where people are just, like, rapturously quiet. And no one had their phones because they were taken from them, but... Oh, no, 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 like old Bob Dylan. I mean, less so even this one. I think people were loud and talky, but I'm oh. talking, like, back in the 60s when oh, people gotcha, were gotcha. watching him back then. Silence. And it's just wild reverent. how it's yeah. just, like, reverent silence. Again, blue, candlelight, pop. Right, Aww. right. Yep. We all had our phones. They were not taken yeah. from us by the, what was the shell company called? Shell company? The sh- whatever. Oh, God, what is the name of that? Oopsie. Title? <laughs> that's the name of the streaming <laughs> service from Jay-Z. Whatever. That fake company that stole our phones when we went Yonder. to Yonder. 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 That's the one. I'm just like, it's the lacking yeah. vowel. Everyone still had their phones. Nary a person. With, until like about three minutes to the end, someone quietly just like, Took a photo, put it down. It was incredible. I think people didn't even have their phones out to look at them because it was like black, dark in there. The lighting was amazing. It was like absolutely beautiful. If you're not familiar with all of her own worlds, he's like, uh, he started primarily as a pianist, but he's a, it sounds like you're saying penis every time. Pianist. Pianist. But he's a composer. He's done a lot of like movie soundtracks now at this point. And he's certainly transitioned into uh, fully embracing electronic music and stuff. So he had three or four violinists, a cellist. Uh, and a guy on percussion nice. and all his cool electronic stuff and playing the piano at the same time. And it was just really beautiful. And the lighting was excellent. It just like really went together. Kind of when we saw Tallest Man yeah, yeah. using that lighting really effectively. Oh, yeah, really amazing. Very powerful stuff. So, And this was a discovery from our playlist. Like we found out about all of Arnold, Arnold's from the playlist, correct? And I, didn't we? Or did you know about no, him? No, I knew about him because he, so tangent. Bonobo, who's like my favorite okay, electronic artist of all time, he is part of Ninja Tune Records. Ninja Tune Records does this thing called Late Night Tales, where they pick That's an artist. That's what I was about to just bring up. Yeah. yeah they, I was like, I knew that he did the Late Night Tales. He did, Tales, yes. But I didn't know again what the provenance of finding it out. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure through going, I was trying to collect all of the Late Night Tales, because right. some of them aren't already on a playlist on Spotify, right. and they're not real albums right, sometimes. Right. So There's a story with music. Yeah, yeah right. You so can go I back was, and listen. We, we talked about it for but who knows what else? Yeah, so I was collecting them and I found his and his uh, song RGB, I think is what it's called, is so good and yeah. amazing. I was like, oh, well, let me check this guy. And of course, he's from Iceland because I just like have a Everyone's yin for from. people from Iceland for some reason. Yeah. Any of their music. Anyway, Oliver Arnold's, that's what I did. Yeah. And then we watched Drop Dead Fred. This was a while ago. It was one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. We watched Lost City with Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum. Very funny. Very funny. And Just Married with Brittany Murphy and Ashton Kutcher. Awful. Terrible awful. movie. Just totally awful. And Lost City did not deserve to be as good as it was. But I know. Like it, Who it knew? It really turned out okay. It and Drop Dead Fred. Uh, did I, did we talk about this on a thing? I don't think so. I mean, just, I, I could talk about it for hours, so we're not going to do it. It feels I, like I did it. We watched it yesterday, and also it feels like we watched it six years ago, so I don't remember when it happened. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm not, I can't even do it. It's I'm not going to, I'm yeah. exhausted even thinking about it. Don't do it. Because I'm torn on, on all, how I feel about it. I hate it. I mean, it's I really, definitely, really definitely hate it, but mm-hmm. I feel bad for it because it was like in between, like, was it a child's movie? Is it not? And like, yeah. it fucked up some kids, so that's kind of interesting. And like, <laughs> You know, just like the total lack of like the society that she lives in where they just don't help this person having manic episodes. Oh, yeah. Like boat gets sunk. She sinks a boat. She like. Carrie uh, Fisher's boat. Houseboat. The police run by the kid as she's like sitting out in the yard just to go arrest the dad. Like wild stuff. This place has no empathy. You think you feel bad for her, but I feel feel bad for the entire society. Yes. Um, It is a fascinating movie. I don't know if it's good, but it is. It's a tough watch, but I'm glad we did. Um, (laughs) 
yeah, I mean, for me, uh, I'll just try to go through it quick because I got a lot. Lots of new music consumed. I want to shout out Florence and the Machine, always amazing. Dance Fever, the song King Free and Morning Elvis. Speaking of Elvis, speaking of Memphis, Kevin Morby, the great Kevin Morby. This is a photograph. That song, the title track, uh, Disappearing Rock Bottom, great stuff. He is always good at making music, as it turns out. And then Smoke or Fire, the last record they did was 2010's The Speakeasy. Smoke or Fire, of course, from Richmond, Virginia. Of course, an old school punk band that I listened to when I was in high school. They came out with a new record called Beauty Fades. That song, Sunday Pints, takes me back. I just feel like they haven't skipped a beat. It's been 12 years and wow. they sound like the same as they sounded when they were in 2005. Now, that's like good and bad and right. whatever you want to say. But they're also like the songs are really cool and expansive. Like it's not bad. Um, but if you if you like that kind of punk rock or you long for like that 2005 to 10 era. Boom. Uh, it's really, really good. Uh, new stuff. Lots of old music I listen to. I am continuing the Whitney Houston uh, dive. It's going slow. Uh, Claudia Lanier, who we saw in the background singer Hmm. movie. I finally listened to Few, P-H-E-W, from 1973. She should have been a star, for sure. The record's great. Her her voice is fantastic. But, you know, the songs are kind of like, they're all over the place. I don't know what they did with her. I feel bad for her. Uh, I also revisited PJ Harvey's Let England Shake for no reason at all. But, (laughs) oh my God, what a great record, 2011. Fantastic. Then I finally, this morning, before we did this, I listened to Biggie's uh, Life After Death, 1997. Mm-hmm. It's been a while since I've listened to that. Ready to Die is the go-to. It's been a long time since I've done this. Obviously, hypnotize all of that. We we know more money, more problems. Um, Rolling Stone also released the 200 best hip-hop albums of all time. Now, we know how this is going to go. And immediately, the moment it came out, it's just like, fuck this shit. You know? <laughs> There's no way to win. So I don't, I'm not worried about it. Like, People are going to have their takes. Um, but do you want to know what the top 10 are? Can I guess a couple? I want you to guess and a couple of them that I've brought up as well. Like, because I've talked about the source ones before, like Nas, Illmatic. Sure. Number 24. Okay. Um, the one I'm about to listen to, Outcast, Equimini. Okay. Number 27. DMX. Where do you think DMX? Flush my flesh. Or, oh, it's Dark and Hell's Hot. Where? Where do you, where do you think? 40s. Ooh, 22. Oh, really? Uh, and then the and then the, this one I just did, Life After Death, is uh, number 59. So uh, kind of up there. Uh, yeah, if you want to guess what they put in the top 10, I think you'll get some of the big ones, some of the easy ones. Uh, the Fuji's one and only album. No, no Fuji's, but Lauren Hill. So I'm Miseducation, Lauren Hill. Number 10. Really? Yep. Disagree. I, I, well, I think it's with a good album. The entirety of all of no, hip hop. Yeah, I know, but like, oh no, it's wild. I mean, like Cardi B, uh, Drake is number eleven. Okay. Um, Cardi B is like number eighteen. It's like it's way too high. Okay. Uh, so uh, that's what we're kind of dealing with. Okay. A Midnight Marauders. Uh, is like in the fifties. Come the fuck on. Okay. Well, clearly I have an affinity for nineties hip hop. Yeah, so I, I almost put that be... in there, but like low end theory. So I mean, same thing. Low end theory sure, is number sure. nine. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Fair enough. Okay. I prefer Midnight Marauders, but yeah, that's no, so fine. do I. Um, okay. So let me put my, it, okay, that, that colors it a little bit. All right. Put let's, on your, let's put on your hat. Let's see. Let's see where I we I mean, have. you've got, you know some of the big Kanye's got to be up there. Yes. Kanye has a bunch in the top. Like he's, dominates, I think, the tens. Um, but he does have one in the top five. Top, top ten, I'm sorry. Okay. What is it? Which one? Ooh, it's either going to be Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, I would think, 
Okay. Or yeah. what? Jesus or oh, I was oh, gonna oh, say like for Pablo, maybe. Ooh, not Pablo. No, no. I mean, but uh, College Dropout. It's college Dropout. Uh, yeah, yeah, all of those yeah, are, yeah. are up there. So, uh, but yeah, six for Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. That record is fucking great. What okay. Else? What about any of the Frank Ocean and nope. that whole ilk of no. those guys? Um, Tyler, the creator, like they're hit their whole. Tyler is he's he's up. Yeah, he they're in there, but not in the top ten. That's okay. like the new Tyler one is like in the forties too. So. Igor. Oh no! Um, oh, oh yeah, they're right. The That's, one. Yeah. yeah, I forgot. Uh, wow, I'm doing really poorly at this. I mean, a big what about one. okay? So Wu Tang Clan, Thirty Six Chambers, number eight. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, come on, come on, brain. One you're probably not going to get, which is Missy Elliott's "Missy So Addictive" from 2001. That's in the top ten. That's number seven. That's above Wu Tang Clan. Okay, I'm done guessing. Okay. You... <laughs> Slum uh, Village is that, are they are they on there at all? Who, Slum, Slum Village. No. Freestyle Fellowship. No, I mean they're probably in there, but no, come on, top ten. <laughs> you, what's number one? Digital Underground. They they're in there too. What's number one? What's number There's one? There's no way I would guess. You couldn't guess number one. I kind of given it away with what I just listened to. Oh. The opposite of Life After Death. Oh, Ready to Die. Yeah, yeah. number one. So okay. that's and number gotcha. two gotcha. is Stankonia. Come on, okay. this is all going to make sense when you're number three, which I, I'm w- wild here. But the blueprint from Jay Z. Oh, that's a wild. I think that one's been like okay, simmering for a long time. Number four is probably the most traditional. It takes a million of it takes a nation of millions to hold us back. Um, Public Enemy. Oh, and okay. number five, which I we just talked about him, Kendrick Lamar. It's a pimp a butterfly. So that's oh my a, god, I fucking forgot Kendrick Lamar. Well, there's so many people too, and it's like Ghostface Killers right outside of there. Like they're just famous, famous records. Oh, and Rakim, Eric B and Rakim, like number fourteen, like good shit. So uh, they don't miss. But I mean, some of the new ones, I think it's hard. It's kind of like the best rock songs and the best albums of all time. You're just not gonna please stuff, and you can do a, a an analysis of 2004 versus when they updated it in 2018, and it's like we just stop lauding the Beatles and Pet Sounds and Bob Dylan like we did in the early 2000s when Mm. the boomers were like 50, you know, and now they're 70 and you have a new diverse voting block. It's just they're not going to be as beholden to Pet Sounds. Sorry. Mm. But like, you know, something like Ready to Die, it's still on the but I would imagine you do this in twenty years, it won't be there. Oh yeah, did one of Tupac's albums make it on there? Uh, Tupac I mean all of them are in there right. for sure. But like no, he's right above it. So All Eyes on Me, I think, was yeah, fifteen, you know, right above mm-hmm. it. So yeah. So anyways, an interesting list. Obviously no one's gonna agree with it and that's fine. But it's all based on voting. So it's like here's, you know, all these people, these are the tallies, you're gonna hate it, but here it is. And that's fair. Uh, I'm into it. Um anyways. Uh, between that, that was a long tangent, but I listened to the entire 50s output from Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers. Oh, he's the um, drummer, right? The drummer, yeah. yeah. They're night, night in Tunisia. I've heard that as a standard uh, on, God, dozens now of, of artists as I've been listening to jazz over the past three years. Their version is by far the best because Art Blakey is the best drummer I've ever fucking heard <laughs> in my whole life. And then I got into Stride Piano because I listened to Thelonious Monk do an album with Art Blakey in them that I missed from 1957. Not that great, but it's cool because Thelonious Monk is great and he's a fantastic pianist, obviously. And then I listened to Errol Garner, who is um, also a stride pianist, and he is amazing. He was just doing these standards all by himself for some of them and then some with like a little bass kind of going on. And because my mind is perpetually in 1765 to like 1820, all I can think is like I would love for Errol Garner, Errol Gardner to go 
into that time period and fucking play the piano. These simple simpletons would have their brains <laughs> turned to mush. I mean, like hearing about ragtime making people like lose their minds is oh, yeah. unimaginable. Just like the folk music being the punk rock, unimaginable. Right. Cannot so imagine not only a black man coming up to do it to destroy their racist <laughs> minds, but also like no one's doing the piano the way Satan. that he's Satan. I mean, that's what they it would could do. Only be. They would lose their shit. And so I'm like, that is, I don't know why I take a perverse pleasure in that because um I don't know. It's just because it's w- funny to think about. It's it. just wild. Did nobody back then fucking think to like uh, d- no, d- d- to do this kind of We're stuff? We're still living in like Beethoven Mozart life. Boo. Come on. Boo. I'll never get onto that. You try to make do you make classical music Dude, part of I your couldn't. life? It's too hard. I tried for a second. It's too hard. It's too hard. It's too hard. And then finally, a couple books that I read in between my old timey readings and my academics journals. I re- I finished Gangsters of Capitalism, Smedley Butler, The Marines, and the Making and Breaking of America's Empire by Jonathan Kratz. Katz. Jonathan Katz. Um, which looks at like a bunch of places that America has invaded and what it's like today. What's going on today? Just as a news story. Uh, two books in particular, Making Whiteness, the Culture of Segregation in the South, 1890 to 1940 by Grace Elizabeth Hale. Uh, pair that with South to America, A Journey Below the Mason-Dixon to Understand the Soul of a Nation by Imani Perry. That just came out. Fantastic book. Probably going to win some awards. Um, I recommend that as well. Read a book on the internet because the internet sucks. And it's scary. And yeah. the, the internet's called, uh, or the book is called The Internet is Not What You Think It Is A History of Philosophy, A Warning by Justin E. Smith, E.H. Smith. It's pretty good. I mean, the part, it's always nice to have like crystalline, nice writing to kind of like match your own thoughts. So I found myself like really drawn to his talking about the internet. But then the history part was where he lost me. Like his gist is like we've been trying to communicate across long distances forever so to say that the internet is like an aberration to like the past is not true and he brought up weird examples where people like hucksters back in the day pretended or tried to sell people on snails said this snail if you this snail there's a snail in south america i can talk through (laughs) this snail so there's like a a nice biography about the guy who was like trying to sell snails (laughs) and he's like this is an example among many others of people imagining what it is to break down distance of conversation from days to moments. And now we don't even think about time. It's like so instantaneous that we've lost track of it. And we think that it's something new, but really people have been trying for millennia to get shorter and shorter and shorter from the fires you would light on top of mountains to tell to telegraphs to Mm -hmm. telephones, you know? So I think that part was pretty interesting, but the philosophy element, you know, like a lot of people, you don't know what to say. It's like abolish the internet. But that's you can't do that. So what do we do? Well, I, you know, his prescriptions are fine, and I agree with them. Uh, and then I read two books. Uh, well, one book about after aftermath, life and life in the fallout of the Third Reich by Harold Yoner, which just got uh, translated. Uh, I love learning about post-war Berlin. Mm. Everybody out there, love it. Uh, there's a book uh, by Giles McDonough that I read a couple of years ago called After the Reich: The Brutal History of Allied Occupation. Great, a couple with that. Those people were fucked up. I mean, just imagine being a German, living, being a Nazi, basically, and then what what happens afterwards. So it's just fascinating tales of how they how life was in Germany after the war. Um, And, yeah, I was going to mention the the movies. So that's it. Yeah. So on that note, um, as a palate cleanser, I read a book about the Mississippi River as well. It was pretty good. It's called Wicked River, the Mississippi (laughs) when it last ran wild. Um, You know, just if you like Mark Twain, he has some fun uh, gut busting stories about. 
you know, people uh, robbing people and, you know, mm-hmm. what's a snag on the river? You know, what's that like? You know, now it's just a dredged nightmare. You know, it's like not even a wild river anymore. No river really is. The Columbia yeah. is another fucking lake, basically one big ass lake. But back in the day, man, it used to be wild. <laughs> Stacia said because of all the rain we've been getting, oh, the Columbia is rising. Yeah, it's like three up three feet or whatever. Yeah. So, so they're worried that the boats are going to make the I-5 bridge go up way more. Let's go. Oh, my God. Let's go. This is the future. Kelly, we have come to the end of the show. It's the end. We need to pick the next episode, though. Okay, great. Which is kind of a bummer, but I'm we got to have do- to do it on my phone so that you can't see the words. So it's a surprise for you. Oh, sure, yes. And I believe that I can look up on here. So one second. Well, if you can't, you can use the internet. And I can. I can close my eyes. Well, true. All right, Kelly. If you've got your first word, let me know. Pin. P I N. Pin. Mm. 82 with potential pins, but again, oh God. this could be okay. uh, a lot of different. I'm sure there's a, actually a ton of words with the letters P-I-N in them that we wouldn't even think about. Okay, so next word. <laughs> pint, for example. Ah, uh, yeah, perfect. Yeah, pint would be one. How about jury? Jury. Now, jury is good. We've got, we've talked a lot about uh, a lot of judges. Ooh, that's good. Seven juries. Now, mm, that's what we're okay. working with there. All right. Remember jury? Yes. Uh, <laughs> what about timetable, which I did not realize was one word? <laughs> well, the timetables are a pretty good punk band, uh, but I'm going to just do time and timetable and just on the off chance. Okay. No, that's a no for us, dog. Cell. Uh, cell. Like a cell? C E L L. Oh, back to like prison. Mm-hmm. Well, that's another or seven. Or cell in the body. Or a cellular telephone. Okay. Well, that's seven as well. And, okay. you know, jury and cell, you know, go to jail cells. I mean, there are some. Well, if they're all the same songs. They might be the same songs. Uh, rent. Ooh, rent. Well, I mean, their landlord. The landlord. Right? The landlord. Uh, yeah. So there's 15. So let's go. Which one do you want? Do you want cell or do you want jury? Let's do jury. Okay. Here are our chances. Our chances. Here are our juries. Number one. Oh, God. Okay. The jury found me guilty. Okay. Well, that's a little rote. Right. Yeah, we got to go fun. Um, for the jury found them innocent. <laughs> Come on, really? Okay, next. Um, judge said to the jury, plain as a thing can be. Okay. Now the jury find me guilty. You'll have to clarify one or two, <laughs> which I don't think you should choose either one of those, uh, only because it's boring. Uh, okay, next jury is the all-white jury agreed. Oh, that must which be- Which you do know what that is. Emmett right? Till. Oh, okay. And jury- Right. Well, I can't tell you. Why can't I? I what, do you think I'm really going to tell you? I mean, right? The judge and the jury, they took their stand. And then finally- the jury cried for more. Oh, stop that cursed jury. Hmm. Cried the attendant. Dot, dot, dot. So we've got some boring ones. We've got the jury found me guilty. Right. We've got the all-white jury. 
Which I am like the guilty. I'm like ninety percent sure that's the the Emmett Till one. Um, I can't tell you. I I'm leaning towards the last one. The jury mm. cried whatever, just because that was a lot of stuff going on. The jury cried for more. That's yeah. a that's a solid choice. Or the uh, judge said to the jury, "Plan is a thing." The last one. Do the last one. You want the last one? Okay. Yeah. Well, great choice. You have actually heard this song before oh. in our 25th episode, John Wesley Harding. This is another return to John Wesley Harding. Oh. The song is called Drifter's Escape. It's one of my personal favorites. So we're going to talk about uh, The Drifter. We'll probably mention Hank Williams and his Luke the Dr- Drifter, and we'll have a bunch of um, alternate takes, too, that were released with uh, volume... 15, I believe. Yeah, that's the number it was. Hmm. Volume 15. So okay. let's do um, the drift, Drifter's Escape next week. Kelly, it's been fun. Excellent. We'll be talking uh, drifting, I guess. So oh, excited. Tokyo Drift. Tokyo Drifting. We will be Tokyo dr- Drifting. Wow. Join us for Car Talk next week. Bye. Bye. Can you hear me calling? Okay, so click on that and just hit stop. I want yep. you.